Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, October 16th, and boy, is it Monday. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We're only going to be here for an hour today. So if you want to jump in with a comment, a question, anything at all, it is a free-for-all. Jump in quickly. This is going to go fast. So um, I'm also testing the new mobile studio for the first time. Unfortunately, I'm not on the road yet. I am back at the shop again. Uh, We picked it up Friday. We tested some things Friday night. We really kind of wanted to get back home because we've got a lot to do to get ready. Um, And Saturday when I got up, I started realizing that, you know, we figured there were a couple small problems when we picked it up Friday night, but I didn't think they were a big deal. I figured I'd either figure them out myself or if I had to swing back by here before I left, I could accept... Saturday, I started to realize there was a common theme with all the little problems, and they all related to the to the uh, electronics controller. So we had both of the inverters replaced. One went bad, but you can't replace one because it's new technology, and they thought they were going to have to get a new controller. They tried to save me some time and money, but the controller is not playing well with the inverters and it's causing a lot of weird electronics issues. I may be able to work around some of them, but I'm just not confident I should get on the road till we get this figured out. Uh, So I'm back at the shop. That's why I'm only doing an hour today. As soon as I'm done, they're going to jump on this thing. We're going to try to figure it out. We may have some parts issues. So um, plans on the trip might be changing again. Uh, For any of you that have read the book, The War of Art, not The Art of War, which is the classic military book, um, The War of Art. It's a great play on words for that title. Uh, That was the first book that Larry Winget ever recommended to me. The first time I had him on the show uh, was way back when. I'm thinking it was like 07 or 08. We were in Colorado at the time, so it was a while back. At the end of the interview, and and that was the first time I had ever talked to Larry. At the end of the interview, I asked him for a book recommendation because I knew that he was a big reader. And he said, you should read The War of Art. And at first I thought he meant The Art of War, and then he explained it. And then when I looked at the book, I thought, I wonder why he recommended this to me. It's mostly about writing. It's... I was just going to say it's written by a writer, obviously. Uh, But the guy who wrote it also writes novels and screenplays. Um, If you've read the book or listened, you know the whole concept of the book is where the phrase comes from that I use at the end of my show. I absolutely stole it from him. Um, Do the hard work, which is very different from working hard. But there's a lot more to the to the book than just do the hard work. That's the message. But why is it so hard? None of the things that really make up the hard work are all that hard. But for some reason, in the real world, they are hard. And I think uh, I am dealing with this right now. Again, if you read the book, you understand this. If you haven't read the book, you really should, because it applies to all of us no matter what we do. 
So here's the, the concept of the hard work and why it's so hard. For some reason, maybe it's just the way the universe is built or I, I don't know, the more important the work you're doing is, the more the resistance shows up and tries to stop you. And that's really what he talks about in the book. And it, it can be little things. It can be big things. It be, it's usually a combination of things. And I'll use this event to kind of explain it. So I have known about Nastic for a long, long time. I've been recommending their services, primarily their fuel card. It's just the best in the industry. It really is. And I would just recommend to people, just go get their fuel card. It's really worth it. And then join and look at their other services. They have lots of programs I really um, think are excellent for small carriers. They have some of the best education around. They do their new carrier training uh, every month. David Owen still does that. So I've always known that would be a good partnership for us. And David and I have crossed paths a couple times and we've talked and we always get along and we always, you know, agree on a lot of ideas. But I think both of us just had our head down doing our own thing. And up until recently, when David reached out to me and said, um, it's time we do something together. And we've had a lot of great conversations. I'm looking forward to this event as kind of the catalyst to get some of these programs going. Uh, I really didn't want to travel across the country and speak right now, but there was no way I was going to pass this up. I, I really think this could be one of our most powerful and important relationships for owner operators and small carriers going forward. I really do. The more we talk, the more synergy I see between our two companies, I think we can do a lot of good. So this is a really important and I think it can be important for a lot of people. And that's exactly what the book is about. The more important things are, the more likely it is the resistance is going to show up and fight you hard. And again, it, it shows up in weird ways. Um, I, I feel so much resistance around this trip. So many things have happened to change it. We're right down to the wire, and I can't tell you how many things just happened over this weekend and continue to happen as I sit here. So now it's a matter of, um, do I really want to take the coach? I, I do want to. This is my preferred method of travel. I actually enjoy traveling like this. I don't enjoy always being away. This is another trip um, I'll be doing without Lisa and Diesel, but... If I have to travel, this is the way I would prefer to go. But I'm just looking at what's happening, and it's, it's, it's almost like, is the universe trying to tell me something, or is this the resistance? Because it's when, when it's the resistance, you have to fight back, or you have to fight through. And that's where I'm struggling right now. What is the right thing to do? I'm willing to struggle and fight through, and just want to make sure I make the right decisions, and sometimes... Lately, it seems like I'm not making the right decisions. Um, the resistance is in full force. And what that tells me is I can't give up. This is worth whatever it takes to make this all happen. So um, 
that's where we are right now. Again, I, I could talk the rest of the hour about all the twists and turns and the things that have just happened. And um, I'm actually back in the shop, sitting in the parking lot. And as soon as I uh, wrap up this first hour, uh, hopefully I have a couple people that are out here descending on this thing and we can uh, figure it out and see if I can get on the road with this. Um, my second favorite mode of travel is the train because it gives me time to think and um, I need some time to work on my keynote and I need, uh, what I really need is quiet. I, I've got to get away from all these distractions, but I can't right now. So that's the resistance. And again, the, the, the harder the resistance pushes back, the more important you know the mission is. And that's when you can't give up. When you got to dig deep and really do the hard work. And I feel like I am really in the trenches on this one right now. Um, let's, uh, you know, I have a couple, let me check the phone calls real quick and make sure I don't run out of time. I've got a couple calls. I am going to get to them here. Uh, I also posted a good article on uh, Twitter. I want to get it up on um, the tribes. We're, we're also still working on the tribes. So I'll probably put it in the health section on the tribes, even though it's trucking related. We're still working on that merger. Craig Fuller, the CEO of Freight Waves, wrote a really good article about this freight recession and why it's different. It definitely is different. I've been saying it was different, but I was saying it was just mostly about the economy itself and how different the economy is this time. Craig had a really interesting take on it, and I think he's right. I think he, he nailed this. Uh, so go check this out. If you're on Twitter, you can read it on Twitter now. I'll try to get it up on the tribes after the show. Um, he talks about one of the biggest factors that's different from just the last recession, which was 08, 09. And that is the fact that brokers have grown so much in the industry. Um, there are some statistics in there going back to like 2000 and what a small part the brokers really played back then. Back then, the brokers were mostly moving the freight nobody else wanted to mess with was lower rates. It wasn't contract freight. It was um, kind of the garbage freight, really. Uh, and brokers were moving a lot of that in 2000, and there weren't nearly as many brokers as there are today. Fast forward to today, and we've got a lot of brokers in the market. We got a lot of new brokers uh, just in the last couple of years. There's been a big explosion uh, in that segment. And now they don't just move the garbage freight. They, they have really strong relationships with shippers. They are moving contract freight even. They really are, I know a lot of people hate to hear this, but brokers are necessary still to create an efficient freight market. And they really are good for small carriers. The article does a really good job of explaining how deregulation changed this. And so what I've been hearing for a long, long time, technology is going to replace brokers. We don't need brokers. Well, it seems like we do. And it seems like the more complicated our supply chain gets, the more we need brokers. They're growing. They're not going away. I, I, I honestly, I cannot tell you how many startup companies over the last 
10 years probably. I bet it's been 10 years now. The startup technology load board companies, I cannot tell you how many times the founder and CEO got me on the phone and said, we will replace brokers with our technology. And I said, unless you've got something radically new, no, you won't. And they just got indignant, got into almost screaming matches with some of these guys. And all I was trying to do was help them. I don't have a horse in this race. It doesn't matter to me if it's brokers that help us move the freight or technology or or whatever. Um, My focus is on the owner operator and small carrier. So I, I don't care if brokers exist or not, but if they are the most efficient way, then that's just the way it is. And right now, uh, they really are necessary. They're, they're not going anywhere. There was a really good quote. Um, I think it was a really good quote by um, Craig in the article. And he said, small carriers without a strong relationship with at least one broker are at a disadvantage in the market. I've been saying that forever. When it comes to your customers, you should be building relationships. And I can't believe I actually argue with that about, with people in this industry. Owner operators and small carriers argue with me about building relationships with their customers. That's not a solution. That's not an answer. They don't even want to talk about it. It's just shocking to me. Uh, so check that out. I am going to get to the calls. They're starting to pile up on me. Um, we've got about 45 minutes left, so jump in and join us. We will start off in misery today. I, Missouri. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Can you hear me now? Hey, I can. And the good news is uh, I'm not retarded. It wasn't me. Uh, for some reason, I just needed to hang up the call and call back into the phone system, and now it's working. So uh, it is the resistance. It's, it's, it's especially yep. strong today. Uh-huh. So on Friday, Jeremy was talking about that school bus have been converted with the oh, yeah. V8 international motor. If yep. that's got a 7.3 liter international did, power stroke engine. Did he say the V8? Yeah, I thought he said it was a V8. But if it's got a V8, it's, if it's a 7.3 liter, it's a keeper. Yeah. It's a good I, engine. I didn't hear that. 7.3, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought he said it was a V8. I'm not 100% sure, but... Oh, you might be right. That and, was a... It, you know, I'm not a huge fan of V configurations in diesels, but that was a good one. And uh, if he's worried about the vapor barrier, someone who's in our tribe is David Counts. He's oh, the RV guy. You could call him. Yeah, see? See, I'm telling you, the, the, the resistance is messing with my brainwaves. I should have thought of that. Dave would be, would be oh. the perfect guy to ask that. He builds RV bodies from scratch. I watched him build an incredible RV down there for himself, uh, literally from scratch. Things. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He just he just builds them. <laughs> so, my pine trees I have in New Zealand, which are about twenty eight years old now. Yeah, and so I called the the Green Plan Management Company, and I said, "So, when's the harvest date for my pine trees?" And she says, "It may be next year or into the year following." Uh, okay, and I said, "Well." What will my return be? And she said, I have no idea because timber is a commodity. Yes. And the cost of living in New Zealand has gone stupid. And she said, it probably won't be as good as what you were thinking because 
the cost to harvest pine trees in New Zealand in the last 10 years has increased by 300%. That's crazy. You know, yep. here, I have so, seen, I, I don't know much about the, like the timber industry itself, although I'm right smack in the middle of it, even more so now. Um, the, the homestead, I go right past a good size mill and logging obviously is really big in the Pacific Northwest, but I I don't know a lot about it, but I, I can remember watching a couple shows like modern marvels and they had this crazy harvesting machine with this giant arm and saws and grabbers. And they, they just drive up to the tree and it zips, zips the tree down, strips all the branches in seconds. It seems like, and I thought to myself, and everything, yeah. That has got to dramatically cut the cost of harvesting lumber. Well, I think the cost in New Zealand is the cost of labor and the cost of fuel and the road tax, because all that, that's stupid over there. What yeah. we pay for a gallon in this country, they pay that much for a liter. Yeah. 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 Um, <coughs> that's, that's... Maybe there's a bit of resistance going on over there, too, because... They had an election, and uh, the lefties got kicked out. So, oh, good. We, we yeah, Jacinda Ardern, she she stepped down earlier this year because she said, "Well, if I'm there, you'll have no chance of getting elected." So she stepped down, and so they didn't have an election. They just appointed a guy. Oh, he can do the job. Well, he got his ass kicked, and he got <laughs> so. <laughs> I see a I see a meme on Facebook yesterday. It is like day one of Plan B, and it's him standing at the McDonald's window with the <laughs> your fries. <for> that. <laughs> so, you, we, they had the they had the election on the weekend. We don't muck around. The new the new people are starting this week. You yeah. know, um, I hope that is a trend worldwide because it seems like over the last three years, and the the pandemic really kind of pointed this out to us. It seemed like most of the first world, especially the first world English-speaking countries, all went very, very woke. And somehow all the, all the uh, governments seemed to be very progressive all of a sudden. A lot of progressives were in control. Um, and even some South American, you know, some South American, you know, Spanish-speaking countries were going through the same thing. And, and it does seem like almost a worldwide trend right now that the more conservative governments are trying to fight back. And um, I, I hope it does become a trend. We need a little sanity and balance back in government. Yeah, because the stuff she did was insane. But Yes. But, right, we've got a short show. I'll let you carry on. All Thank right. You, Thanks for the call. Good stuff. Uh, I'm glad we got things working. See, you can't give in to the resistance. We just have to keep fighting back. Let's go to Michigan. Tim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm hanging in and fighting back. Yeah, yeah, you are. So listen, uh, I just recommended that book uh, to two more people this morning, and it's so crazy. I was gone for three weeks. I was on a cruise. We were over there, and uh, we were in Jerusalem, Two days oh, wow. before the bombing. No way. It's insane. Yeah. Wow. We were in Haifa, which we were right in Haifa, which I saw in the news today. There's a cruise ship in Haifa 
taking people out, and Biden wants to make sure that everybody's paying for the trip. That was funny in itself. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't don't worry about paying for your education, but when your life's in danger, you've got to have cash on the spot. Nice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, nice. And and, and, and 9,000 people a day coming into the United States don't have to pay for anything. But if you want out of Haifa... You have to pay for it. And it was on the uh, Rhapsody of the Seas, big, huge, beautiful ship. Oh, that is so a big, over there and beautiful I ship. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, we do auctions on that ship all the time. But we were over there. We did Egypt. We did Cairo. We did wow. Haifa. We did Jerusalem. It was insane. Two days later, the bombing starts. And now we're heading to Athens. So it was insane. So it was beautiful. Crazy to get out of Dodge in the I'll right bet. time. Wow. So, but listen. So, but I, I've got a crossroads, and I, you know me, I'm not the trucker at all. One, I have to say something. If everybody bitches about brokers and how much money they make, why don't they just become brokers? But I, that's I, just me. We've Whatever. tried to use that logic so many times, or, <laughs> or the other one. Here's what I will hear What's from that? somebody. Brokers don't deserve any more than whatever their number happens to be. 6%, 12 whatever they okay. think a broker should make. They don't sure, do enough sure. of the work. We do all the work. We have okay. the equipment. We take okay. all the risks. So then my next my next statement is always, well, if the broker's not doing that much work, why, why don't you just skip the broker and go to the shipper? Well, the shippers yeah. won't deal with Absolutely. us. Uh, oh, so you mean okay. the broker is doing something of See, value then? Yeah. There's that victim mentality, and, and I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm here in Detroit, and I see these United Auto Workers. They want to work four days a week but get paid for five. Uh, they want 17 <laughs> paid holidays. I, I can't even name 17, 17. holidays. Wouldn't we all want – what's going on? I don't understand that. Why, they make so much money. They're complaining that the big three make so much money that they need to share it. That's called not staying in your lane. Go to work, do your job, get paid for it, and leave it at that. Don't worry about what other people are making. But there's that victim mentality again. I'm a little shocked that that UAW strike keeps growing. Every day, it seems like I wake up and see it's expanded out to another location. Yep, it keeps growing because people want the handouts. But anyhow, the reason I called was... Stephen Pressfield, I just finished that book again for the seventh time a week ago, driving back from up north Michigan. You cannot go wrong with this thing. And resistance is the bitch. It is is. the bitch. And that's what you're going and that's what you're going through right now. And I'm going through it right now because I can't give in to artificial intelligence. I see other artists out there utilizing this tool, creating incredible unimaginable artwork that I could never connect the dots to even figure out how they got there except through AI. And I have a resistance to go ahead and converting to AI because I feel that it's not legit or what will people think, or I I don't know. I I don't know what to do with this. If you listen, you know, I was, and I still am in the background. I just don't talk about it as much because it's really, it's a, it's a very relevant topic, but it's it, nobody wants to hear about it right now. So I, nope. I, I kind of just backed off. I'm still doing all the reading in the background. But the way you just said that really hit home for me that we are really in danger of losing yep. like real human creativity here. I can't compete with it, Kevin. You can't. You're right. And that's sad. And I agree. It creates incredible stuff that is very cool to look at. But 
this is so dangerous in so many ways. And a lot of people will look at this and go, oh, but so what? We still have art and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it, it, it's not. It's beautiful. It's not wonderful. Something's really well, wrong. Kevin, where do you draw that line? Right. Where do you and, draw that line? I used, I used to work uh, at a lead typesetting company that put lead in between letters to stamp it before the print job. And then press type came out. <laughs> and then Adobe <laughs> Illustrator. And then everybody was a typesetter. So, and remember, there was a guy shoeing a horse. Now he's out of a job because there's a gasoline combustion engine. So where do you draw the line? Is it a tool or is it a cop out or is it the end of the, the beginning or the beginning of the end? I don't know how to approach it, but I can't compete with these guys. You know, the, the people that are all for this will say that if we follow the progression, we can let machines yeah. do all of the work and humans then, and, and we'll have to figure out, this is where they start talking about basic universal income. So look, you're, you're not going to have to have a job. We'll just have machines do everything. We can just be, you know, we can pursue leisure activities and, and we'll get a certain amount of money just to exist. I can't think of a scarier future than... Right. Uh, 8 billion people with no purpose in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's cross-pollinated into the creativity realm, which is, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to you do. Know, um, it, well, I mean, that, I, it's, it's interesting that I talked about the book this morning, that you just read it, because that's really what the whole premise is. It's about human creativity, and how, yeah. for some reason, the more creative you are and, and the more important your creativity is, the harder the universe fights back, the resistance. And it's almost yeah. like at this point we've given up and we're just going to let it happen. We, we don't need to work anymore. We don't need to be creative anymore. We don't need to have a purpose. We're just going to have fun that doesn't work. That will destroy human beings. You know what? And you just brought this, you just brought it to my attention because Stephen Pressfield talks about what you always say, do that hard work. You have to do that hard work. God wants us to go into work every day and, and look at the end of the day, whether it was shooting waterfowl or writing the book or, you know, bagger vans or whatever it was, go in there. And it's interesting. There's a line that says, you know, I, I get creative whenever uh, my creativity strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at nine o'clock. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, and it's about going into work. And there, therein lies the key thing. If people see that you put forth effort and work into it, maybe that will subsidize, you know, the ideology behind uh, uh, the AI, I guess. I don't know. I'm just looking for an angle to play here. So. Have you, do you follow or read Seth Godin? Uh, no, but I will now. Oh, you should start. Boy, and he, boy, are, do you have a lot to look forward to. He's got so many books. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to, let me think if I can figure out which book of Seth Godin you should start with. My gosh, they're all so good. And he's been writing since listen, probably the 80s. I'm in the, the studio all day. 80s. I'll listen to the auto. auto yeah, go, book. go. Yeah, I can check it out. Um, so here's, here's the premise behind Seth Godin. He's, he's. He is probably the first, um, he was certainly in the first wave and by far the most popular and, and the one still around. He was like the first internet marketing guy. He, one of his first jobs, I believe was, I think he was part of helping create AOL, if I remember right. 
And then he started using the internet for marketing. And it's a very different kind of marketing. It's not the typical, oh, run ads, get a bunch of clicks. It's not that kind of stuff. His premise, and I, I will tell you, much of what I do is built on his philosophy. His premise is that because of the internet, small businesses, micropreneurs, you know, um, uh, what's the freelancers, those kind of people now have an absolute market that they can go after and and create a a uh, sustainable business model. Whereas before, if you were somebody who was creative and you wanted to make it big, somebody had to pick you. At, you know, media is one of the best examples. Um, I clearly, when I was on Sirius XM, that was a huge advantage, right? I mean, come on, I, I oh, big time, yeah, yeah. But, but that was kind of like. You, how many people get to make it onto Sirius XM? Not that many. It just, it's, it's such a tiny percentage or people who make it to the news or the media or, you know, movie stars or that's it's rarefied air. It really is. Yeah. It, it, but, but the internet changed all that. Well, and I'm a good example. I don't need Sirius XM anymore. I mean, it was nice to help me grow my audience, but lots of people have grown huge audiences without having anybody to help them. Joe Rogan. I mean, my God, look at what he's done. Um, And he basically did it on his own. And his premise was you don't need to do mass marketing like like big corporations do. If you have 1000 raving fans, you can build a hell of a business model and a great life. That was his premise. And his whole philosophy is to build raving fans, to to build people who really, and and the internet allowed that because you don't have to do it in your little town. You have the whole world to reach out to. So that's his- Understood, Kevin, though. Yeah, that's his whole premise. Go ahead. Right, and I'm I'm looking at things right now, the song of significance, you know, Seth Golden, this is marketing, linchpin, the practice. That's great. And I, 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 and not to brag, I probably have 100,000 collectors around the world of my art. What will they think if I enter into the AR? I have the fan base, if you will, okay? But what will, will they turn on me? You want my advice? What will I, I- Yes. I have a very strong feeling about this one. You should be the lone wolf. Resist, resistant to change? Yep. You should be the guy that says, no, it, it, I don't want artificial intelligence creating my art. It's my art. I, they're going to look at me in the review mirror. What? Okay. All right. All right. Well, Maybe, and this is a big risk, but if not, you just become part of the package. You've already got your following. If they're, if they're raving I, fans, now you may lose half. Would you still be okay? Sounds like you got a huge following. I'd be, I'd be fantastic. Yes, I would be great. I would be more than I, fine. I'm on all the ships. I'm on all the cruise ships. Yeah. I, I, I got a fan base. Yeah. They don't <laughs> even know me yet, and they collect art on all the ships. Yeah, see, I, 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 if it were me, just a really strong feeling, I think you are the perfect guy to resist the whole AI and, and be an example. Okay. All right. 
Because you know what? I don't want that to be an archaic thought like, well, this, this internet thing's never going to take off. I'm not going to hey, do it. I, I'm, I'm not going to go on Facebook. That's, I, I get that. I get let, that. Let me ask you something weird. I don't understand your world. So if this is just totally stupid, just say so. Sure. I had a thought. I, I remember being in a bookstore. It's weird how everything comes back to books for me. I remember being in a bookstore trying to find something new to read. And this was 30 plus years ago. I was still in the army, I think. Um, so it might have been longer than that. Uh, and I'm looking and looking and looking and you read covers and, you you know, you read the, the back of the book. And, and I, I came across a book and I'm like, boy, this sounds really good. And I took it home and I read it. And I'm like, oh, man, I found a new great author. I can't believe it. You know who it was? It was Stephen King. But he was writing under a different name. And he did it because he said people would buy my grocery list if I publish it at this point. He said, I, I want to know if I really still am a good writer if somebody doesn't know it's me. And he wrote three or four books under that pen name before I caught on. And I, I, I swear I had the thoughts, this, this is kind of like Stephen King, but it wasn't much of a thought, just kind of in the background. Can you do that with art? C could you create? I could like, become, you, why couldn't I become, a, why couldn't there be a ghost artist? That, just become a ghost artist. So what if you did a ghost artist and tried AI with that, but you kept your art pure? Or or now we're getting somewhere. I could totally be a ghost artist and put out product that is phenomenal. Or I could have a whole series of just AI generated art from me. Yeah, guided and, by and, you. And, and guided by me because it would be all, it'd be authentic art pulled from my library, which is 10,000 paintings, pulled from my library, and I input like a chef, 10% right. of this, 58% yeah. of this, 16% of this, or whatever it is, and then and then embrace the ideology and embrace the technology and say, this is a whole separate series just done in AR, or AI, I should say. Yeah. Maybe that's an option, or the ghost artist. Yeah. Because I don't want to throw other artists under the bus by saying, I don't use any AI, because right. then right. I'm insinuating as if, you know what I mean? I don't want, I don't need to yeah. make enemies like that. Yeah. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. You, you know, it, rather than talk about anybody else, you just talk about yourself. I, I, I want my art to be pure. Um, but here's like you said, you could do it maybe as another series or as a ghost artist. But I, I think that keeping your art pure is important. The collectors want that integrity. Yeah. They want that integrity. But then I see the other shit that they buy, and it's just totally done by AI, and they just eat it up. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I supposed to? It's like you're a master musician, and all of a sudden this guy comes out with one note and makes a million dollars. You know well, what that, the hell's that's going happening, on? too. I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people followed why the, the writers were on strike in Hollywood, because I could care less, but I, I still saw it. it. Their biggest fear was AI. That's what they're fighting for. They're fighting so that AI doesn't completely replace them or change the entire industry and it's going to and you know what kevin you just said it i don't give i don't give a rat's ass about the the uh, the actors either and people don't give a rat's ass about art <laughs> right. they don't need art they don't need fun you no know you're I mean? right so I'm, in the same, I'm in the same boat man yeah i <laughs> I, I think that that you by creating and having that following um i, I think it puts you in a better position Imagine I'm going to be open. I'm going to be up front. Imagine how difficult it would be right now if you were just one year into your career and AI came along. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been doing this for 23 years and I've got a substantial following. 
uh, and if I'm open with everybody and I offer it up as another alternative into collecting, whether it be a lenticular or an uh, augmented reality piece or whether it be a giclee or some kind of limited edition, this is just another facet for another person to collect at a different at a different entry level of payment. That's all. It's not a hundred thousand dollar painting. It's a twenty five hundred dollar painting or it's a two hundred fifty dollar print. Yeah. And maybe that's what I offer up. And and yep. you still keep some very pure art that only you create. Absolutely. I got it from a truck driver. That's, that's <laughs> so kick-ass. <laughs> a fellow artist of a different kind. Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure. I'm back stateside, so I'm back to listening. So uh, looking forward to it. I'll let somebody else go. Good luck with the coach. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's go to Tennessee. Ilya, welcome. Morning, Kevin. How's it going? Good, good. I uh, I need to be heading towards Tennessee sometime here soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not too bad here right now. It's uh, switching over to fall temperature. Finally, it was a little bit hot for a while. Yeah, the uh, it, it's typical Pacific Northwest weather here. It's mild and raining a lot. So I, it, winter came early this year. And I'm reading some, uh, what is it? Are we going to have an El Nino or Nina? I forget which one. It might be Nino this time. Um, They were kind of predicting a long winter for us, and it looks like it started early. So we might have a long one. Yeah, same here. Um, I was actually, uh, I'm a company driver right now. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember speaking to me before, but I'm looking to buy a truck now. Um, I've been making my plan and everything for it. Good. Um, I wanted to see if you could help me with uh, like a range or maybe a bottom line for like fuel cost maintenance per mile and just cost of operation that I should shoot for, or maybe like a worst case scenario. So this is kind of interesting. I I talk a lot about expenses and controlling expenses. And um, a a lot of times people are shocked. I don't do a whole lot of like... um, projections with numbers you know in 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 many industries you absolutely need to sit down and go through what is my potential revenue what are my expenses i don't do a lot of that up front because here's what i can tell you the the freight market Mm -hmm. is what it is we have access to the entire country Mm -hmm. now if you were going to create some real local operation we might do a little more of this but when it's over the road stuff we all have access to the same freight. It all pays the same. Right. So all I really focus on is creating a very low startup cost to get our feet wet, get us into the okay. market. And and I don't go through an entire budget or P&L or I really don't. I, I, I just don't see that it's worth the time. Here's what I would, here's what I do instead Um, In my program, I actually have worksheets for this, and I help people calculate their net worth and their annual cost of living if we just cut back to the absolute basics. Because if you're going to start a business, you really should be willing to cut back to the basics if you need to, to cut even your home expenses, your personal expenses, so that the business has a better chance of surviving. So rather than try to create right. targets, I just say, let's keep our all of our costs as low as we possibly can in the beginning without going so low that mm-hmm. 
you know, we cause problems that way. And what it comes down to, really, it's just one thing we need to focus on. Just buy the right truck. We don't need a whole budget. Look, your your insurance costs aren't really going to matter. We can't change them. They are what they are. Tolls, scales, office supplies, all that miscellaneous crap that's on our P&L is really not important right now. What is important is buying the right truck to to really increase our chances of success on startup. So I am Mm -hmm. a big fan of buying cheap trucks in the beginning. Good cheap trucks, though. Trucks that will be efficient, I can get at a good price because maybe they're really old or they have higher mileage and they're not as much in demand anymore. Uh, In today's world, it is still very possible to start with a less than $20,000 truck. So what I do in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the program, we calculate your net worth, um, your age is a factor, then we calculate your annual budget, and then I actually have a formula where we create a score. And then in, you take that score, and I have a chart. And based on what your score is, I have different plans on how to get started. So if you score really okay. high... Let's say you've got a really good net worth for your age and you have a very low cost of living. Well, then instead of a $20,000 truck, a $60,000 truck wouldn't be a problem. It wouldn't be risky. Um, Occasionally, I see somebody that could even afford to buy a brand new truck as long as they do it all right. Uh, But they've got the resources Mm -hmm. to and And a $20,000 truck can be the right answer sometimes. And a $180,000 new truck can be the right answer sometimes. But most of it comes down to okay. the where you are financially right now. So then I, I take that chart one step further, and I give you almost a business plan based on where you are financially. This is the budget for your truck. These are the books you should be reading based on where you are. This is where we should be shooting for in the next 12 months. So... Um, We've got some time here. Um, we can explore a little bit of this. Are you kind of up to date on your financial picture? W- would you be able to, uh, do you know what your net worth is in your annual budget? Uh, annual budget, yeah. Net worth, not completely because it's all over the place, but I have quite a bit that I can put into it. And I'm Good. able to, like, even if I'm losing money for like a few years, that's no problem. That's good. That tells me you've got um, some resources. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. We're, we're, and, and here's the thing. Let me promise you this. I know a lot of people want to fight back and argue about this, but I, I will promise you I'm 100% right on this. I have never seen, ever, have never seen an owner-operator drive a truck for a whole year. I could even throw lease purchase guys into this. It's this rock solid. I've never seen somebody mm-hmm. lose money. Never. People will fight with okay. me. that, like, oh, no, I lost money last year. I know I did. And I, I said, wait a minute. How much do you normally make in a year? You know, well, 72000 or whatever, 50. I don't care what the number is. Then I would say, well, if you lost money last year, you must have started the year with forty dollars or $50,000 in the bank. How did you live and then they're like, what? What do you mean? How did you pay your mortgage? How did you pay your rent? How did you eat? How did you pay for your car? How? And then they just get confused. 
I have never seen an owner-operator drive an entire year and spend more on the business than they earned. Never. Not once in 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's almost... It, yeah, it, that's it, true. It, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that yet. Yeah, if we stop and think about it, you would start to realize it's, it's virtually impossible. It, you can't, Now... Is it my worst case that I actually calculated for somebody? They gave me all their numbers and we calculated and we've been talking about this story for years because he's a big success with his own trucking company now. I had a guy come to me in a lease purchase and he, at the end of the year, he made $13,000 for the year. But that's not a loss. Mm -hmm. It's a $13,000 gain, but it doesn't feel like it because you have to live on that money. But what you're telling me is you could actually lose money and you'd still be okay. You have some resources to live on. And I can just assure you, um, you can make an awful lot of mistakes and still never actually lose money. Okay. Yeah. um, And uh, last time we were actually talking about my background in restaurants and whatever, that's kind of why I was going into this. I'm like, I'm very familiar with just being efficient in general, whether it's just like how you work or how you do financial that's a, planning and everything like that. That's a great industry to come from. And I'll tell you why for a couple reasons, it makes it a good industry. One, you are right. It is hyper competitive. If people think trucking is competitive and it is, we have 500,000 carriers. Um, it's very competitive, but the restaurant industry blows it away. Help. Now, you know, now all of it takes is somebody to have a little trailer and they can start up a food trailer and they are your competition all of a sudden. There are food trucks everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. The startup costs have gone down so much. Starting a restaurant was always fairly easy anyway. Now it's crazy, but, you know, because you can get in with a truck or a trailer. It's hyper competitive. So you're used to that. The other thing is yeah. it is all about, in my opinion, of course, the food taste is important, but that's a basic. If you don't know how to cook, you shouldn't be in the restaurant business. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's just a, you have to have that. But if you want to be successful, you have to have outstanding customer service. And that's something we don't even talk about in trucking. That's exactly like the last, like, I don't know, what, a couple months and whatever, when you've been doing the Twitter spaces and I've been listening to all of that. And every time I hear all those guys talking, I'm like literally sitting, I'm like, give me a truck, give me a truck, give me a truck. <laughs> I know, because you see how how easy it would be for you to compete. Exactly, yeah, that's kind of the motivation. It's like, if that's my competition, and like, it's every time you talk to them, it's like, makes it more and more clear how extensive that mindset is for whatever reason. And I'm like, all right, if that's the competition, like I, I can maybe like even half think of it and like kind of make it maybe. You, so I'm pretty good at predicting who's going to make it and who isn't. And I know we are heading into a very, very difficult environment. But based on what I'm hearing, you should just start whenever you're ready to start, whenever you feel like you're ready. I wouldn't worry about the economy or the cycle. You've put yourself in a position. You can do that financially and you will be able to. I can guarantee your success. Isn't that crazy? But I, I'm confident I can. 
Yeah, and, 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 I'd, and I'd actually rather do it now, kind of like how you've been saying, I'd rather start it when it's harder and yeah. then maybe have it get easier than the other way around kind of thing, too. Absolutely. Even though you have those resources available, which is good, that will keep you in business. It will allow you to make mistakes without failing, and you will start to see pretty quickly uh, you've got this. I mean, even at the bottom of the market, you will be fine. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of, uh, like, doing the lease to land star kind of thing to start out and for, like, a year or two and then getting the authority from there, just like a transition kind of thing. I think that's an outstanding idea. I, I really do. It gives you It gives you even one more step up. I'm confident you could go get your own authority right now and start that way. It would be a lot more mm-hmm. work. You, would, you wouldn't be as focused on what I think is important right now is learning how to run a truck really efficiently with low cost. You don't need to learn about yep. customer service. You already know all that. You don't need to learn about, you know, being efficient is how you need to do this. You understand that. You need the time now of running a truck and making it run efficient. And there's, I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't focus on trying to acquire three to five brokers as good customers, trying to figure out where the best freight is. It, Landstar takes almost half of your business away from you, so you can focus on the other half for a while. Okay. And in my mind, that's okay. a good thing. Sounds let good. let now. I would still, when you're at Landstar, my first step the first goal i would have in landstar is to find three to five good agents to work with just like if you had mm-hmm. your authority you would find three to five good brokers the world the world of having your own authority and trying to find freight is almost identical to being at landstar and trying to find freight the difference is yeah. you're going to work with agents okay. within the landstar system instead of brokers in the free world Um, but the concepts are all the same. Ask anybody that's willing to tell you the truth. The best freight at Landstar doesn't make it to the board, just like the best freight Mm -hmm. in the free world doesn't make it to the load boards. Those agents come in every morning. They see the freight that has to move. They know who their preferred carriers are, and they spend all morning lining up their best freight with their best carriers. When that's done and all the garbage is left over, that's what they start posting on the boards. Yeah, it makes sense. That's how that world works, and that's how brokers work. They come in in the morning, they put all their best freight with their best carriers, make sure that's all handled, then they start trying to move the load board freight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I've actually been using that same kind of thing, even uh, like in company driving, like like making the good relationships with the dispatchers, whatever. That way I still have some Absolutely. flexibility with what I get assigned. Yep, he, he, and you bring so. up another good point. Here is one. I am shocked. I don't know why I'm still shocked because I've been dealing with it my whole life. How many people fail at this, at being an owner operator? Here's another thing we don't talk about enough, probably, and it's almost unheard of in any other business. You can practice being an owner operator really easy. Drive the company truck like it's yours. Track the fuel mileage like it's yours. Drive it to get better fuel mileage. Even if 
in the beginning, it costs you money because you're paid by the mile and you're going to go slower. And, and that's okay. If you want to be an owner operator, that is a worthwhile lesson. But you get to practice at this. And it's, it, you can create a scenario where you driving a company truck is very, very similar to having a business and you get to practice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know if I, I, I can't think of many industries that are like that. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 you, you go from right. being an employee in a certain industry to being a business owner and, and there's almost no practice. Here, like I said, you could set this up as a company driver where you could run numbers and at the end of the year, we could look at it and go, well, here's how that would have looked if you would have been an owner-operator. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate the help. Uh, I've had a couple questions about like maintenance and uh, specking and all that stuff, but I'll call back either tomorrow or Friday about that. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. We did it. We, we got through that hour. We pushed back against the resistance and a little bit of a rough start there, but I uh, I feel good about our mobile setup now. Uh, so it is time for me to wrap this up today and get this beauty into the shop and uh, start doing some troubleshooting. Uh, the resistance is not going to get the better of me. My goal is still to take this coach on the trip. That is my preference. Uh, I, like I said, I could do an entire couple of hours on how the resistance is fighting me on this one. Just just something as I'm sitting here right now talking, uh, this is how crazy it's getting. Um, I, I have a leak in my slide and we just had this slide completely rebuilt because of a prior leak. The slides are known for leaks. Unfortunately, uh, part of the slide damage was created by... I made a statement the other day and I, I kind of lied. I said the only people that have ever worked on this coach was this shop that I'm at and myself. Uh, that's not true. I had an air conditioner replaced on the road one time and it was the air conditioner installed that wiped out the slide. They never attached the drain tube properly to the air conditioner and the water was just the condensation you get. Air conditioners need to vent a lot of water um, it was all flowing into the slide, but it takes forever till you see it. And by that time, um, the damage is done. So we just spent a fortune rebuilding this slide and my window is leaking. It's just dripping right next to me. So, um, the resistance continues and we'll continue to fight back one way or another. I'm going to get to Tennessee. Um, I really hope it is in the coach. We will see. Um, I'll give you an update tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.